Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Hello, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Hello, everybody. Last week, we had Raffaello Palandri of Pond Camera with us, and he went into great detail about the ups and downs of making a camera from scratch as a startup company. And the podcast led to quite a bit of uh, debate in various places, not least um, upon the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group, where uh, Lawrence Dunn and Raff had a engineer to engineer uh, conversation about uh, ways of making his uh, already quite complex uh, camera, even more complex. So uh, that might be worth a, a little listen to there. Um, and uh, I'd actually meant to reference the homemade camera uh, podcast uh, last week, but uh, seeing that that was pretty much what we were talking about, but I forgot. But uh, despite this, uh, Nick and Graham from the show were suitably stirred up by it, that they decided to uh, record their own show on, on the back of it. Um, and that show will go out on the 21st of February. So um, have a listen to that one. I'll absolutely be listening to that one. Um, anyway, on to this week's show. Um, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by the person that started off the popular photography blog, Casual Photophile. So uh, hello, James Toccio. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's great to have you here. And uh, actually, you had uh, Raf. Uh, you had an article, I should say, uh, on Raf um, back in June uh, last year. So uh, um, perhaps you might want to tell us a little bit about the experience you had there. Uh, yeah, that's right. I think uh, I think uh, uh, Raf's, uh, what is she, a media communication director, Catherine Phipps, contacted the website and uh, told us a little bit about what, what they were doing or trying to do at, at Ponf. And uh, yeah, we, we were pretty interested. So we reached out and, and wanted to uh, talk to Raf. We had him get a, about an hour long phone call with him. And uh, he told us all about the project and, and we wrote up a, a quick sort of uh, summary so people could see, you know, what is a Ponf? Uh, the name is strange. So right off the bat, you don't really know what it is. And and uh, but I think we did a pretty good job trying to get the word out. Um, response was was a little bit sluggish, so I don't know. I don't know where it goes from there, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, I mean one of the one of the uh, the points people have made is is that the 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 camera that he's trying to create does so many things. Um, and but it was interesting when we were we we made that point to him when we when we were talking to him on the show and it, it was it was interesting because when we going going into the interview i had quite a few questions about certain areas of that, that i was going to i was finding troubling um but actually when you actually spoke to him he pretty much overcame uh, most of the the most of the things i was expecting to have a problem with uh, difficulty with he had already actually answered the questions uh, beforehand so uh, clearly he's, he's he was he's been asked some of the, the more difficult questions before because um, i just just found that you know everything that um, he was saying there just made a huge amount of sense so it just seemed like it just needed a, a bit more of a push and hey presto we're going to get the the pond camera so he sold you yeah he did yeah I, and, no i mean i know i know exactly what you're saying because i i sort of had the same feeling i i went into that conversation with him sort of skeptical it's like okay 
you know, we've heard about people trying to launch uh, new film cameras uh, recently. And, you know, I don't know, do we even have any of those come out? I, <laughs> I don't think so. It's been a couple of years um, of different people talking about it. But anyway, uh, yeah, he he has a clear vision, I think, of what he wants his camera to be. It's just a matter of getting, I think, getting the funding, right? And yeah. then, and then sort of getting it in front of people um, and, and seeing if anyone's going to buy it. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I really wish, wish him luck because he's definitely passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to see this thing. I mean, it, it's, I think I said in my article um, that we're sort of really, you know, me and the other writers on the site, we're always interested in a new type of camera. Um, anything that sort of puts out something new and, and what he's trying to do is definitely new. I just, uh, there's a lot of question marks for me around it. Yeah, no, without, without a doubt. But I think we're, we're all in agreement. He's definitely one of the good guys. Oh yeah, for sure. He's, he's, his heart is in the right place with this. He's, he's definitely a, a you know, a photographer's camera designer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Now you, you just mentioned uh, your, your, uh, your, your site there. And I think this is, let's let's take things back to where we would normally start uh, one of these shows when we have a guest and uh, i think it'd be it'd be good for our listeners to hear a little bit about yourself about perhaps you know how you got interested in photography uh, the type of photography you do and uh, and that ultimately how that would lead how that led you to the point that you started your own blog uh sure yeah so the uh that's actually just published a uh, article on the website that was one of the more personal articles I've, I've ever written anywhere. Um, and it was, it was sort of about how I, I don't want to say fell into photography because photography had been a hobby for a long time. Uh, I took some, you know, like a lot of people, I think I took some courses in college and uh, what started out as an easy credit <laughs> sort of turned into something that was very interesting to me. Um, but then over, over the course of, you know, I don't know, se seven or eight or 10 years, uh, the hobby kind of ebbed uh, out of my life a little bit um, just because other things, you know, took, took precedent. But um, in the article that I just published, which, which is, is all about sort of uh, some difficulty that uh, my wife and I had in starting a family, um, that sort of explains how, how that situation sort of led me back to photography. And, um, and yeah, if, you, if, if any of your listeners want to go check out that article, you'll get a sort of instant, very sort of deep look <laughs> into what, what motivated this. Um, but right after the experiences in that, that I talk about in that article, uh, it was like, okay, you know, I went to school for writing. I want to, I've always wanted to write something, you know, useful for people. Um, I wasn't doing anything with my education, uh, at that point. So it was like, well, let's just start a, a blog. And, uh, that's how the site started. I started writing about, um, sort of any camera that I was interested in at the time. I really started to figure out that I loved film and film cameras. So that was, that was sort of the, the beginning of the website. I, I started writing a review of, uh, Minolta's XE7 which I think in other, other territories is just called the XE or the XE1. Um, and yeah, so from there it was just like, oh, okay, this is cool. I get to talk about 
photography. I get to talk about old cameras. And I get to uh, sort of exercise my my writing muscle, and and uh, it just went from there. I was started the the iter- first iterations of the site are hilarious to look at now. They're very sort of primitive and like maybe look like they're from Tumblr. Um, it's it's a far cry from 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 what it is has become. So uh, so when. When how long? Well, how long has the site been going now? The casual photo file. The the first article was posted on actually I think it was April Fool's Day on <laughs> in uh, which is a good day to start anything um, on in uh, in 2014. So we're what are we going to we're going to be coming up on uh, five years. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how you you're saying that about um, what your site used to be like um, mm. and. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's a bit like ourselves when we listen back, and or rather, we never listen back to our very earliest uh, <laughs> uh, podcast. Because that was that was pretty tragic. Um, and um, in a conversation with a few other bloggers, I was I was having recently. You know, I think everybody has the same kind of experience with with the early stuff, and it's borderline embarrassing. The the kind of uh, stuff, or or maybe the. The, the angle uh, that, that the articles were, were, yeah. were written on. No, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, the, I've gone back and looked because every now and then I'll get a comment on like, especially that very first article, the Minolta XE7. It's, it's a camera that people seem to keep coming back to. It's, you know, it's very good. I don't know if any, if any, any of your listeners are have experience with it, they'll probably agree that it's a very good, good camera when they're working correctly. But, um, but yeah, so I'll get, I'll get, comments on that occasionally and it's like oh i have to go back and look at this and but but it's it's not terrible it's not terrible i'll give myself that much credit it's uh certainly not written in the style that we write today but but yeah it's 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 uh it's an okay review well you've just touched upon there i mean this the the, the site was started by yourself and now the site you're, you're not really calling it me now you're calling it we so um yeah, it's, at yeah. some point you exp- expanded the, the the number of writers from one to more. So how 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 did that go about? At, at what point did you decide that you know you you, because you you've got guests? There's guest blogging on there, and um, interesting enough, actually, that your current guest blog um, is by none other than uh, Cheyenne Morrison. Uh, right. That uh, our listeners know Cheyenne very well, and uh, a friend of the show, and uh, and that's all about the uh, his biotar. Uh, yeah, seventy-five, one point five, and uh, a typically in-depth uh, yeah. article there. So you do uh, guest blogs, and but you've also got some regular uh, bloggers well, as well, haven't you? Well, actually, Cheyenne's now actually working for us in in a, a sort of official context. He's he's going to be producing actual recurring content for us, so that's that's great. Um, yeah, we 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 do. I mean, we'll we'll do guest bloggers, but we want to make sure. And this isn't this isn't a knock on any other format that's out there, but we want to make sure the content has a sort of high quality editorial feel to it. Um, because, like I said, I you know I, I don't want to sound like I'm too serious about it because I'm really not. It's 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 you know this this hobby is for everybody and and blogging is for everybody. Um, but yeah, we do we want to make sure um, the writing is uh, is at least readable. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's that's how it started with getting new writers. It was just the you know the amount of people that were visiting the site was increasing drastically, and we you know I couldn't keep up with producing content while at the time also having a day job. Uh, since since that time, I think two years ago, actually, Casual Photophile has become my full time job. So I don't have two sort of like um, 
scramble to find time like I used to. But anyway, so I, I wanted to bring on some new writers. I just put out a call on social media. Hey, I'm looking for uh, some qualified writers. And, and we, we got a lot of people, or at that time, I got a lot of people writing in and, and we picked one. The, the first writer that we got was uh, Josh Solomon. He's a, uh, uh, I think, I think, what do we call him in, the, in his bio? He's just like a, a young photo geek. He's a jazz musician. He's, uh, <laughs> he's very, uh, a very interesting kid. And he's a great writer too. So, so he's the one that's been on with us the longest. And uh, from there, it just kind of, it just kind of kept repeating that that pattern. We we got more and more readers, and and eventually, you know, every six months or so, it was like, okay, we need more people, more voices, more people producing content, more more perspectives. So, so that's that's how that progressed. And I think now, I think we have seven people that are um, consistently producing content for us. So, so that's. Uh, it's good. It's going well. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy to run it and, and uh, make sure that it's um, viable as a sort of revenue stream. Uh, that's, I think that's the big challenge with anything that you're publishing on the internet for free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been working out well enough that, that I think, yeah, I think we're doing a good job and I think, I think people like it. So we'll keep doing it until uh, I don't know, until uh, I can't do, <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> How do you pick? How do you pick topics? Because you have really interesting and different topics. I mean, ranging from cameras of James Bond to travel right. cameras to five things we'd like to see come back again that died. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, every week? yeah. No, I appreciate it. We, I mean, we have a. It's it's the site is you know if we were like a bigger site we would be called an editorial site. I mean, everybody calls us a blog, and that's totally fine. I I, I actually I'm I'm sort of proud to be called a blog, but um. Yeah, if we were like a you know a quote unquote real publication, we would be an editorial publication, and that means that we just write about what's interesting to us. You know, we're not like a consumer reports blog. We're not Ken Rockwell. We're not going to re- review every brand new Nikon DSLR that comes out. Um, so, being an editorial site, we just kind of brainstorm. We we think about things that we want to talk about, and then we talk about them. So. Um, that's how those articles came about. I mean, we have a, a sort of collaboration app that we use if you want to talk about the back end and, and we sort of just kick, kick ideas back and forth yeah. and, uh, whatever sounds like a decent idea, we, we try to make into a decent article. Yeah. Some of the, I mean, some of the things just blow me away. They're so obscure. This, I don't know, this, this one about these little Dutch cameras. Oh, I've never right. heard yeah. of before. It's like, how do they even find out that those existed that's yeah that's, a, that's actually a popular pretty popular article which i'm yeah. surprised by because it's such an obscure uh such an obscure camera um, i read it yesterday and then i started looking on ebay to see if there were any of them. <laughs> there's not really that many right i mean no pretty, no no yeah they're they're hard to find i think in the article i said that i found the the pair that i had uh from a camera dealer in Spain. And when I talked to him, he was like, these are the only two I've ever seen that are actually fully functional and, you know, in decent condition. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll buy those. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're much more common over in, in Europe. Yeah. Oh, looks is... like uh, Cole's just dried up there. Uh... No, I'm here. No, I, I didn't know. I was waiting for Johnny to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm actually I'm reading. Well, I'm rereading because I've read this before, but I'm rereading um, the excellent article on the Canon P. Uh, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that was Chris Cushing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's excellent. I mean, between this and and Mike Ekman's Canon P article, I'm surprised everybody doesn't have one. Which pretty soon everybody will have one because hashtag Canon Popular Army. Back to that every freaking <laughs> week. Canon P. Canon P. Somehow creeps into the conversation now. <laughs> I've never actually shot a Canon Canon P myself, which is You're actually bad. It's it's okay. I've never not shot exciting. any of those those uh, interchangeable lens yeah. Canon rangefinders, which is. Yeah. I mean, uh, people might just be like unsubscribing from the blog right now. It's like this guy is a fraud. But <laughs> the Canon P, the Canon P is a really good camera. It just you won't be excited with it. Yeah, oh, it I think depends. that's. I think that's. I think that might be what like Chris said. Actually, he said he wrote another article about the Canonette where he. I think the headline was like a miraculous Canon that isn't boring or something like that. <laughs> they're very good. They're just, you know, they're just very, um, st- stayed. Yeah. I think I've mentioned on a few occasions. I, I'm still, despite lots of people telling me I'm wrong, I, I, I've just never, never really got on with the Canon P, even though I know actually, I've never actually shot one. And it's a rangefinder, which is always a, a problem in itself. But some, some cameras you just, <laughs> you just pick up and they just, they just talk to you. And, uh, and, and some rangefinders talk to me when I pick them up, but uh, not the Canon P for some reason. Oh, it's such a classic Simon answer. Do you have a? Do you have? I haven't actually shot it. And I don't like rangefinders, but other than that, I bet it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you read a review in one particular blog, and then you go out and you look at what other people are saying. And so, um, I'm always interested in trying out different films, and um, and I and one of the things I'm looking for is really nice contrasty films with a lot of black and a lot of white and not a heck of a lot of gray. And um, so you have this this nice blog about T-Max 100. And and, the, and I looked at the photos. And, Those are fantastic. And then I go to another blog where they compare it to T-Max 400. And they make it... And their photos with the 100 don't look like yours. They don't look contrasty. But they've their 400 photos look like yours. And so it's all a matter of how they're developing uh, yeah. the way they're shooting the picture. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it is very much uh, predicated on... on how you're exposing the film and how you're developing the film. And also, yep. also uh, to a almost maybe even equal degree, how you're scanning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there, there are so many variables. I will ad- absolutely admit that that blog posts on film, uh, it, you know, sort, sort of characteristics of film are, are probably the most subjective thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. that you'll see out there. So if you're basing your your opinion on a film based on what someone's saying on a blog, you're you're much better off shooting it yourself and seeing how it how it reacts to your shooting style and your developing style. Um, we try I think we try to say that in the articles, but it's it's hard, you know, it's hard to convey that to someone. Um, we yeah, definitely have, that- have conversations. Sorry about that. We have conversations inside uh sort of within the the group that that we want to do more shootouts and and sort of expose things different ways and uh show that show that the sort of gradation that you're talking about yeah. um so we'll do that we'll we'll, we'll yeah. do that in the future yeah some things are consistent you know i'm um saying whether you can really push and pull a film quite a bit right um, that doesn't vary a lot from what one person says to another if they're developing their own film especially yeah yeah, we. You also have to start s- sort of think about you know. With blogs, 
I mean, I don't want to get too too far into the nature of the internet and writing on the internet. You you do have to sort of wonder though if if there's sort of an echo chamber situation going on, uh-huh. um, because there have been cameras that I've I've read about for you know for six months or a year, and everybody is talking about how this or that is the best you know because because of uh, you know variables X Y and Z, and then I get my hands on it and it's like none of that bears out in, in my experience. And it's like, well, and, and then there are situations where, where you see websites and, and blogs sort of um, repeating. I mean, this is the most egregious case, but repeating things that just aren't factually accurate. Uh, and then, you know, you know that the way that that happened was one, one person who was popular wrote this thing that was wrong. And then everybody else just sort of, reworded that review if you know if you know what i mean oh yeah so yeah you do have to kind of take everything you read with a with a grain of salt unless you know you're you're confident that the source is is reliable um but that's that's harder and harder to do on the internet these days yeah i mean that that's something we we come across that one quite quite often ourselves especially when we we delving into some of the history of of, of certain lenses and uh, the, mm. what always comes to mind is uh, when we talk about the uh, the numerous 55 millimeter 1.4 lenses that are out there and uh, you know are they made by Tommy Oka or are they made by somebody else and and the answer is the, the more you look into it it, it becomes more vague uh, because they all seem to be making lenses for, for themselves and even using their own uh, different other other people's uh, Mm-hmm. Name name on them and and so on, but um, so yeah, I th- I th- it's it's a little bit different with a, with a, with a podcast because it's it's very much in in the moment and you you tend not really to get quoted because there are very few people out there that are actually writing down what we say. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm I'm sure that we we influence things, uh, but uh, but yeah, nobody can nobody really points the finger and say, well, I read the, I, I listened on this this day on this podcast episode. 38 and they said you know you just don't you don't you just don't really get that and plus we also get the ability then on the on a later podcast to, to put ourselves right um if if that happens and we've been put right on several occasions so it's a, it's a it is a little bit different <laughs> yeah that's good though i mean you know accountability is great and and when when you get something a little bit wrong it's it's always good to correct that I'm just looking at your uh, going going through the the lens reviews on your on your site because you've got many uh, lens reviews on there, and I'm just I was just flicking through there, and uh, one of them just just popped up here, and it's uh, the underdog nickel, the uh, that well the nickel oh, S, fifty yeah. millimeter f one point four f mount lens, yeah, and yeah. why it's Josh's favorite lens ever because that's a lens that I know Carl um, does not think much of. Uh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. So 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 he is definitely the uh, the, the person that uh, isn't impressed with it. But uh, I, I wonder. I, I, I wonder what why. What, what lens, uh, Simon? I, it's I the, the Nikkor S fifty millimeter f one point four. I would I would love to hear why. I've not ever had that lens. You have, you have had that lens uh, because you. Fought, I, no, I have a fifty-one point two, and I like it. I think it's great. No, you had the fifty-one point four as well, and uh, you preferred mm. the AIS, I believe, or the AI. Which See, this is where you're going to have to go back to the archives. Yeah, no, I, I don't listen like, to every episode. Carl buys them and has them for right. a week and forgets yes, he I did. had them. Yes, and I then did. he buys no, them again. I, I, I did have that lens. I, no, I <laughs> there didn't. we go. We got there. We got okay. there in the end. 
<laughs> no, it took a while because no, it's been <laughs> over two years. I, I had that lens. The price it was relatively low. It's that big clunky lens. Um, yes. It's hard to it's hard to find a focus point on it. And I bought two of them because I thought maybe I had a bad one, and and it, it just wasn't there. And um, I don't, I just don't think the image quality compares to what I like to see. And um, I, I like it. The AIS fifty one point four. It's got a really nice clean look. Um, yeah. There's sharpness, but the the out of focus areas are nice. It's so it's an almost perfect fifty millimeter lens. I guess the then, lens that I, the only lens that the fifty millimeter that I like better is the LTM Canon fifty one point four. But that's where it's super subjective because it depends on what sense sense. Because I'm assuming you weren't looking at it on film, so it depends on what sensor you were looking at it on. And then it and then it's it's easily more about the sensor rendering the lens than it is the lens rendering. <laughs> so. I mean, to me, that's the real problematic thing about a lot of the reviews is, you know, and we, we're guilty of it here is coming to conclusions about things based on how they render on one device. And okay. I mean, film is equally as difficult. I mean, as you were just saying, I mean, you, you can look at the same film all over the place and depending on how it was developed, it looks totally different. I mean, one that kills me is Cinestill's uh, sample shots. They, <laughs> I don't know if they mean to make everything look incredibly flat, but I would never use their DF multipath <laughs> based on the sample shots. But I know that it actually does perform really well. But that's where the subjective part is. You know, you have to yeah, consider that, that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That I mean, it is subjective, and I think in that in that review, this is I think this is going back quite a ways. But the review of the uh, Nikkor S fifty one point four that Josh wrote. I think a big a big reason that he he loves that lens was sort of the same reasons that that Carl seems to not like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is that it's a little bit a little bit imprecise, a little bit dreamy. You know, it's not like clinical and sharp, super sharp. Um, yeah, so I think I think there is definitely a lot of of functional subjectivity, and all, but also personal aesthetic subjectivity in, in these things. Yeah, definitely. See, I, I, I've so John, Johnny says this um, quite quite often um, about how a, a lens you now you you're judging a lens on, on on digital, and I think usually actually what he's saying you you're judging your lens on the Sony. That's that's what that's what Johnny's actually saying there, mm -hmm. and um, and I. <laughs> I think the the beauty of being able to judge a, a lens on on digital is because it is is that it's it's repeatable. I mean, right. yes, it may not be a Sony may render a lens differently from a from a, from a Leica and from a, a Nikon mm -hmm. Z or a, or the or the new uh, uh, Canons and, and 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 so on. But generally speaking, the 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 character of the lens is going to show through on on any any sensor, but. In terms of repeatability, you, you've 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 really got to stick with stick with one one center and see how it works. But the thing is, with um, with with digital, at least you you do get some very fine detail uh, that you can you can see. It makes a difference to the shots, and it's it's repeatable. Whereas with film. You, you don't have that luxury unless you're always using the same kind of film and it, and, and, and a particular type of film as well, something that's very, very uh, um, small-grained or, uh, or perhaps, perhaps slide film. So um, I'm, I'm certainly less fussy about what lens I use if I'm, if I'm shooting on film than I am when I'm shooting on digital. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point too. Um, yeah, I know, I know in, our, in our work, 
we always try to test on the same the same sensor, which is you know we're using the Sony A series um, because that's basically the only camera that we can use that's you know sort of uh, easily adaptable for every brand and and relatively affordable. Um, but yeah, yeah, you definitely have to have a baseline. I, I guess the, yeah. the things are about to change on that one. Um, and again, going in, into uh, our Facebook group, uh, Johnny is um, one for um, well, there's quite regular comments about why people are using Sony cameras, and then there's a, a usually a flood of comments as to why Sony's are brilliant, and then Johnny has to. Uh, <laughs> That's why I do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, I did remind him uh, recently that you know the, the age of uh, so, Sony is wonderful uh, as far as using classic lenses is concerned is is, is coming to an end. This this golden period um, where it's it, there's going to be you know, people chiming in about uh, their, their their Nikon uh, mirrorless and. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the new Panasonic that's coming out, and there's the, the yeah. there's Canon, and there's more people uh, that have not moved over to or have not really um, used classic lenses or seen seen the benefits of actually of, of using them. They're going to start to use their their Nikon's and Canons and Panasonics, and they're going to start chipping into these conversations. And uh, it's it's going to be a case of you know it it could be we're just going to have the same kind of wars as there are that occur on those <laughs> other multi sensor <laughs> sites I, for photography. Unless, unless you unless you shoot street photography and want to use digital and you want to do some urban scapes too. Then you're gonna then you're gonna pick up a Sony XE2, and you're gonna and and, and if you, and they don't want to mess around Fuji. with a, 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 a pick up a Fuji XE2, and um and put it in black and white mode, and mm-hmm. and not have to do anything at all with the images when they come out, and um, I don't know how Nikon will do, but Sony cannot produce images that you don't have to mess around with, um, in the in camera mono. Yeah, I like I, yeah, I agree with that. I I started out. When I was getting into photography again after a sort of absence, I started with a Fuji XE1, mm-hmm. and uh, it was phenomenal. It was, it was like it, that camera was a was a big part of of the, the experience of shooting that camera was a big big part of me saying to myself, you know, okay, yeah, photography is fantastic. I need to start doing this more. Um, so I love I love Fuji's cameras, and the only reason I'm shooting a Sony now is because of what you guys were just talking about that. That I needed a camera that could shoot every every brand of classic lens, um, and the Fuji the Fuji could do that, but it was you know dealing with a crop, so it wasn't it wasn't the best way to shoot those in a sort of context of writing a review, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally, it makes sense. Yeah. Now, l- looking at the new stuff that's coming out that you were just talking about, Simon, the the Nikon is very attractive to me. I would love to give that a shot. Um, yeah, just because what I, I I like the images that I get from the Sony, but I don't like, and I don't like anything else about it. I don't I don't like ergonomics. <laughs> I don't like the menu system. I, there's just a lot of sort of clunky functionality there, and I, I want to see if Nikon can do it better. And maybe you guys can answer this for me. I think I think both of the those cameras use the same sensor. Is that right? Well, it has, the Nikon does have a Sony sensor. Mm. Yeah, but it, I, don't, the, I don't know which one it corresponds to. The, yeah, the, mm. the the issue here is not so much about the actual sensor or who makes the sensor, but it's the it's the oh. software, right? Uh, no, no, it, it's um, it, oh, 
I think I hear it mentioned as called the stack, and I think that, and when we're talking about the stack, I think that's quite a technical term, and I, and I don't want to go too deeply into it because I don't entirely understand. But I believe it's uh, there's a filter uh, that sits in front of the mm-hmm. sensor, and mm-hmm. Sony Sony cameras um, have a particularly uh, thick uh, filter, and you can have this this filter replaced. And there's a Kalari, I think, is the, uh, the the people who do it for Sony. They will actually take the, the this filter off and put a thinner um, uh, filter on. And the the issue, that, and and this is something I know that of. According to Ken Rockwell, um, Nikon have uh, done a better job than Sony, or at least for uh, for for this from this perspective, is that if you put a, a thinner filter on that that enables uh, wide angle lenses, um, in particular LTM lenses, um, to when when the angle of um, that comes out of the rear element, um, if the if the rear element is quite close to the sensor, then for that light the light has got to travel quite a fair distance to the corner of the center and it's not and it's not going to be hitting the corner of the center at anything close to 90 degrees which is how the, the sony cameras want their uh, their light to hit the sensor so if you have a thick filter in front of it that makes um, even harder for the uh, for the digital sensor to actually pick up those light rays so if you have a thin filter then it makes it a lot easier to actually pick up the information so you get uh, smudges generally or, or smudged finish around the edges with uh if you say mm-hmm. use like a like johnny's favorite jupiter 12 um you know you get uh <laughs> smudged smudged edges on 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 that on that particular camera now nikon is uh yes it's it's the center is, is made by sony but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to have a, um, a a thick filter on the front and the belief is that it has a thinner filter um i've heard nothing about uh the the canon uh, sensor which obviously isn't made by sony and interestingly enough the uh the panasonic sensor is almost certainly not made made by sony um uh, but I, again i've it's it's early days i mean they aren't they aren't in they haven't been released properly yet and so um but yeah we don't know how how the panasonic sensor is going to cope with these uh, ltm lenses anybody <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can drone on more about uh, <laughs> about sensors if you want. I, I don't I don't have an issue with the 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 Sony. But contrary to popular demand or belief, I don't have an issue with Sony. What I, I have an issue with is people thinking that Sony's full frame sensor is a uh, a, a subjective yardstick for uh, looking at classic lenses and not so much that because it is repeatable i agree i agree with that the issue i have is people thinking that somehow they are seeing the true rendering of a lens based on what it does on sony's full frame sensor because i think that could not possibly be further from the truth um um, and and cheyenne morrison talks about this a bit when when in his review of his biotar and how different it renders on you know film versus digital and there's no way that the designers of the lens could have been imagining the digital rendering of that lens because it's fundamentally different than the film rendering of the lens now None of that is to say one is better than the other, which is, of course, this huge lie because I think film's way better, but it's not. That's just my my narrow, bigoted point of view. So that's what I find interesting about all this stuff in terms of especially lens reviews is that um, it. I guess I think it starts to get taken for granted that there's one... uh, 
one rendering that is the true rendering that is the tr- the truly revealed rendering of that of a, of a certain lens and I, I i think that's a really dangerous path to go down because <laughs> it's it's just kind of not really accurate that's one rendering on one sensor and it's it's true for film as well but i think in a slightly different way you know um so it's it's interesting time and you know the, the, the like you say simon there are going to be a lot of um, other viewpoints coming to the front because there's going to be a lot of other ways to do it, I think, here very shortly, at least if we're talking about, you know, full full frame sensor rendering, right? This just comes down to personal taste. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. No, I mean, no, I mean um, in Cheyenne's story, I'm almost certain um, the first photo, which is just stunning, was shot on a digital camera. It was, yeah. Okay, yeah. and and it's it's just... It's just, it's an awesome image, and I think the um, that's it's a black and white, and then I think there's then there's another one, and then the color ones were shot on film, and the middle one in particular of the of the woman with the tattoos, mm-hmm. is really really cool, and this, they have a different look to them, and they're both appealing, but I, I think they're they're both they're both fantastic. It's weird when we talk about um, sensors and 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 uh, you know people are going to go to Nikon and things like that, um, so I I I mean I. My favorite camera to shoot right now is a, is, a, is that Bessa R3A, and and I've, lately I've been shooting probably more film than digital. I just it's just fun, and um, but but when I but when I travel, I, I like that XE2, and I haven't I have no thought at all about buying a Nikon. I like I like this Sony. You know what is the most crazy thing? The, the camera that I think every once in a while I like to have one of those is the original Fuji X100. I have no idea why, except that the pictures that I've seen posted on Instagram with it looks so great, and I don't know how the sensor differs from my XC2. Yeah, those those cameras are great. I think, I think the uh, what do you want to call it? The the ergonomics of that camera are maybe the best. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to deal in like absolutes like that. But that, I've used that camera, the X100, for quite some time over over you know off and on over the period of like two or three years, and it's fantastic. It's just it's just such a joy to shoot. And yeah. and what you were saying is is 100 true. It's like I don't know how it's producing images that look the way they do. It's just so good. Um, and yeah, I think. Uh, I think some of the interchangeable lens cameras aren't as good as that that little mm-hmm. amazing little machine. So, so James, perhaps you might want to tell us a little bit more about um, the type of photography that that, that you do because you obviously um, you you have digital, but you you've got a, a a very strong possibly a preference for film. I'm not sure. Um, so what, what kind of photography do you do and what kind of kits uh, do you tend to pick up? Yeah. Mostly bad photography is, is the, uh, that's, that's what I, that's actually what I specialize in, but, uh, no, no, I, I, you know, honestly, this is going to sound a little bit lame, but, but it's the truth for about two or three years now the photography that I do the most is just sort of, uh, you know, documenting my family. That's kind of, kind of what I've fallen into and, and, and that's what I do. So, so if we travel somewhere, I just take pictures and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I can't pretend to be a, you know, quote, 
real photographer, unquote. <laughs> it's just, it's just not, I just don't, uh, don't see myself as being good enough to, to do that. You know, I'm not a photographer with a capital P. Um, the type of photos I like to make, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't suggest some, what are we, what are we street photography is definitely not it. I'm not a street photographer. Um, landscape photographer. I, I, I don't know if I have the patience for that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for you on that question. Well, it's a, it's an interesting answer in itself uh, because you have a photo blog and, right. and it's a very well written one. It's well respected and it's, it, it looks fantastic. Um, so if I'm, I'm just wondering what your motivator is because I mean, different people are interested in different aspects of photography and part of the many people's interest is 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 the gear i mean mm-hmm. i mean I've, i'll put my hand up and i enjoy taking photographs and and, and so on. I, I i love well we're doing this podcast it's largely about classic lenses and i love to talk about photography and, and classic lenses and and, and so on and I'm, I'm just wondering where you where you sit on on the spectrum there and is are you a yeah yeah are you drawn to the gear well yeah so I'm a little hesitant to talk about these these things because I just it's it's sort of it's sort of like really putting yourself out there, right? Like if I'm like, oh, you know, I love I I'm a street photographer. I'm not, but let's say if I was if you were to ask me that question, I was to say, oh, I'm a street photographer. I love street photography. I I'm the next you know Cartier Bresson. <laughs> it's just it's it's a bold statement to make, and I'm I'm I try to be a modest guy, so. Yeah. You know, if people look at my photography and they like it and they see something that's interesting, that's great. If they if they don't, I'll probably agree with them. <laughs> you know, um, to I, I've thought about it, and I guess the best answer is I, I like to take pictures that show something in a way that I can't see with my naked eye. I don't know if that makes any sense. I've never yeah. heard anyone else say that. But, but that's the best answer that I can give you. So like, if I can do something with a camera and a lens that, that changes the light in a certain way or, or freezes something a certain way or, or blurs something a certain way, which is actually what I really love. I love, this is strange too. I I don't know if I've heard other people say this too, but I, I love photos that aren't sharp they're not clear. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sort of clinical. I, I really love photos that are sort of like, what's a good word? Like interpretive almost. And, and that's sort of what I strive for is, is to shoot stuff in a way that isn't sort of precise. Yeah. And, and I get a lot of comments <laughs> that's wonderful. No, I get, I get a lot of comments on the site that are that are sort of criticizing the shots that I make for being the way that I tried to make them, and I don't I don't think people know that that's what I was going for. And and when I get those comments, I'm like, okay, well, I guess the stuff I like is just not a good idea. <laughs> but no, but I mean, keep, keep doing it. You're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it. So yeah, that's why. Like, like a good example is is I wrote an article about the uh, Carl Zeiss 45 millimeter f2 planar in in G mount, 
that you know everybody everybody loves on the on the G one and G two. And um, in that article, there's there's one photo that is is very blurry, and sort of motion blurred, but it's it's like one of my favorite photos that I've ever made. And I but I don't know that anyone else would look at it and like it. So <laughs> if if anyone's interested in seeing what I'm talking about, you can go to the the 45 millimeter f2 planar g mount re- lens review on my site and and you'll see what i'm talking about but mm-hmm. but yeah and, and you mentioned the gear a huge a huge part of it for me is the gear um i i know that saying that in certain places can be a little bit uh i don't know it, it can open you up to a little bit of criticism from from people who who say they're like real photographers or whatever and and that's fine. Totally appreciate their their viewpoint, but yeah, a big part of it for me is just is just using a, a machine that somebody made, and, and sort of experiencing, you know, it, again, if you go to the website, you go to any camera review that we've written, you'll see that we spend a lot of time with product photography and taking pictures of of incredibly small details that nobody is ever going to care about, but but we care about them a lot, <laughs> so that that gives you an idea of what we think about the gear and, and how sort of into the gear we are. Um, even down to like whether or not this knurling is as fine as the <laughs> knurling on a knob on a different camera. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's like one thing I really love about this camera is the way that the text is etched slightly yes. deeper than, <laughs> you know, and it's so, it's so dorky, but, but, but yeah, it's a big part of it because it's like, you know, you just don't see that stuff anymore and being able to use these things that somebody made, you know, in some cases, 80, 70 years ago and and appreciate them is, is, it's a big part of it for me. And if I happen to make a semi-decent photo with it, that's just a bonus. So (laughs) that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that to me, that's the, the best, the thing I love most about photography is people who are really doing it like in their own way. Like I would never see the world the way they see the world. And I mean that in a, in a great way. Like they're, they're, uh, they're giving me a perspective that I don't have. And I know that I have one that's really weird. Cause I, you know, I kind of like you, I, I feel like the same thing. I feel like what I'm taking pictures of are things that are not really there. I mean, to the point where it's almost like, I wonder if I'm like, you know, trying to find bits of the multiverse around me or something that, you know, I mean, to really, I'm, it's just almost like that extreme. I, I, it's really, it's kind of, um, this weird thing I've realized is that I have, well, I, I, growing up as a kid, I had, um, a lot of problems with learning disability and stuff. And I, I realize now that my, I actually have, I talked to a neurologist and I actually have a neurological problem disorder, which is that I do not perceive audio and visual the way most people do and it's you know life can be difficult when you grow up different and i've realized that a a lot of what drives my photography is that i'm like literally looking uh, trying to find things that are not sort of really uh, apparent uh, maybe to anyone but myself and 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 it's really therapeutic to look at the world through a camera and try to make sense of it you know and i feel like that's kind of what i do with photography and i i see that coming out in other people's images in different ways. And I know that other people are also seeing the world from this kind of unique viewpoint. And that's the thing that I love about photography that I think makes it 
uh-huh. know, the one, the one art form that anybody can do. And to me, that's a wonderful thing because anybody can, who has an interest in this can pursue it, you know? And, and so, I mean, I, to me, the, what you, what you've said about, you know, people giving you a hard time about your images being blurry or whatever. I, I love that. And I mean, I think this review is a great, everybody should look at this review of, you know, the context planar is a great example of, of, um, of what you described. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, 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 and talking about that review, it it does relate back to what we were talking about earlier. We, we shot that on, on digital sensor. We shot it on film and we tried to, we tried to include all of that information as far as uh, Mm -hmm. not just the rendering, but also what the experience was like. And, and, And this goes back to the gear conversation shooting that lens on the G2 or the G1 is, is like pure bliss. It's just so, so perfect. Um, People complain about autofocus on uh, autofocus speed, but I I didn't really find that to be a problem. But anyway, but you, you put that lens on a digital camera and it, it quickly turns into, I don't want to say a nightmare, but it's, (laughs) it's just certainly not as pleasant because you don't have that, that manual focus input. People that, know this lens and know, know the focusing methodology that, that it uses in conjunction with the, the G series cameras will, will know exactly what I'm talking about. It just, it, it has an electronic focusing system. Right. So, but, but that said, and I said this in the review, shooting it on digital was, was sort of uh, functionally challenging and, and not fun, but the images that I got on digital sensor were, were fantastic as well. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, a little bit of a tangent there, but, but there's a lot that we can talk about. We can talk about imaging. We can talk about, uh, the types of images people want to make. We can right. talk about the gear. We can talk about the gear in different contexts. It's, there's a lot to unpack in this hobby and, and sort of going back to what you said about anybody can get into photography. That's true. And, and anyone can also get into it to an obsessive degree or, or just, you know, sort of stay on the fringe of it and, and get equal amounts of, of joy out of it, which is great. I really like this um, feature that you have on your website um, that um, gives tips and techniques um, as opposed Mm -hmm. to reviewing things. Did did you get into that very early on or was that something that came after a period of time? That was, I think, I think we started that a long, long time ago, and we had we had different contributors contributing to that um, way back, like maybe back in 2016. Um, and some of those, some of those people, it just sort of didn't work out that they wanted to keep producing this stuff. Since then, it's just sort of when we think of something that people are str- may, might be struggling with. Like what is ISO? Like that, yep. you know, that's a very basic question, but there are a lot of people, you know, that look at that ISO dial and they say, "What is this?" So we try to write an article on, you know, what is ISO. We try to write articles on like tips for uh, shooting it in what might be challenging situations. Um, yeah, it's not. We definitely don't have. There are much better websites out there for people who are like. I want to learn, you know, how to photography from from page one to to page a thousand. You know, 
Yeah, um, well, I like so. Yeah, I mean, you have one on how to cheat at film photography. Simple tips for making better photos. That's really cool. You know, there there are a huge number of people, most of the people I, th- I think on on uh, our Facebook page, who use digital cameras with mm-hmm. um, manual focus lenses, and um, and probably a, a lot of them have thought about dabbling with film cameras. And if they read this, there's really good information here. It's just it's basic stuff, but. Um, you know, it would, it would help them get get along. Actually, it's kind of funny. I was I was looking at this about um, what you say about overexposed shots, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 you say that um, uh, that if you have an overexposed shot, it can be low in contrast and generally look terrible. And then I was looking over on um, Hamish's blog <laughs> to see what he said about overexposed shots and that that they have a shitty looking murky result. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of the same. It's yeah. the same thing. It's different words, different styles. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's but, um, I, I, yeah. His writing is very funny. I like. I like. But you guys are. <laughs> but you guys are dead on. And I've been trying to do it lately. Um, I'm not not shooting some of the films that I have at box speed. And, yeah. and I realized right away, this. Um, I don't know what you do to Johnny, but that uh, Kodak 400 TX film, it doesn't work out very well at 400. At 200, it's nice. Uh, Trix. But yeah. but I'm sending it to a lab. So yeah, see that's the great unknown, Carl. Is you if you if you don't know what how they're developing it, you're you're kind of shooting in the dark because you could send it to two different labs and get completely different results. You know, I just so, know that when I shoot it at 200, the results are more what I'm hoping that yeah. I get. Yeah, yeah, that well, no, that's common with tri- that's a common uh, take on Triax. I mean, I shoot it at if I'm shooting it well, box speed for me on Triax would be about 250 because i'm developing it in, in rodenol which is not a high speed developer and it, but it's very contrasty and it has a lot of edge sharpness so it's like it's it's all a cookbook you know what i mean it's like your results vary depending on how you go about developing it which then means you shoot it different it's like this humongous chain reaction <laughs> with film of like all those factors you know so yeah it can can look very it can look very different depending on how you handle it that would that would actually that, that would be a good article is to just shoot. I mean, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure other people have done it, but to shoot shoot a you know the same scene, the same camera, the yeah. same film at yeah. like wildly different different <laughs> uh, exposure settings, but then then but then also develop it differently. Just show that you know from the same spot in the world at the, at the same point in time, you yeah. can get photos that look you know 15 different ways. Right. So yeah. I, th- I think people should know that. Although it might like torpedo our uh, traffic on film profiles. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. We, we you guys don't have to read any of this stuff. Actually, just but, just go. Well, but you're right, but Johnny, it, it's, and you, that, you 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 can't you probably once once a month at least tell me I need to start developing my own film because yeah, I'm, I depend- do, I'm depending on the lab. And so the result is, I think that um, XP two. It's a really good film because I get right. good results with it. All right, <laughs> yeah. so I so I keep shooting it, and um, FP4 is pretty good too. And I and I and I really don't like JCH Street Pan, but um, but I'm having somebody else develop it. Right. Maybe it's a great right. film. I developed no. it myself. And that's kind of what I mean about that conversation about uh, making judgments about lens character based on sensor. It's, it's kind of the same argument, you know, it's like it all, it's how you, you're cooking it, 
you know, yeah. it's how, it's how you're cooking up an image and it, and those factors have a huge impact. Both there's a kind of a digital way that that works and an analog way that that works. And, and you know, you're right. And I, and I think it's hard to judge a character of a, a particular film if you haven't really, if you don't know all the details about how the processing went, I mean, the developer choice alone is just like humongous, you know, and it's kind of, I, I, I'll need to find this, um, the page I mentioned on, uh, Cinestill where they compare, um, their DF 96 monobath. Uh, they have comparison shots between, I, I want to say that and like, uh, like five different developers, but the thing is, all the test shots are super, super flat. And I don't know if it's because they scan them with like no curve correction or what. But to me, those that particular test only means that this is their interpretation of all those developers. It doesn't really give you a takeaway that's maybe reproducible yourself unless you know why they all look so flat. You know what I'm saying? So it's... It, it, there's so much subjectivity and go, like, if you go back into, um, you know, looking at the history of photography, this is where like the zone system became like this mantra for so many people because it was a way to develop, to produce reproducible results, you know? And the yeah. way that you did that was how you starting with your metering and then your metering, you know, led you to how you do your processing. And that, that was like the genius behind you know, Ansel Adams and the folks who kind of got the zone system going was how can I make my photographic life reproducible, you know, um, which I, uh, it's interesting. I don't know ultimately if it's the best way to go about things because there's reproducible, but then there's, there's a lot more to photography than reproducibility, I guess, but it depends what you're doing. It totally depends. I, I want to just take the, the, the conversation back, uh, if we may, to the uh, to the article that you did there with the the Zeiss forty five f two from the the Contax G uh, cameras. Um, sure. And um, a couple of things. One quick throwaway thing is uh, I've used this lens on digital, and <laughs> yeah, I, I completely uh, agree uh, with you. It's a truly superb lens when you get it right, but my word, getting it right is not easy. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> but uh, I will. I will. I don't want to interrupt you, but no. I will say, if if anyone has that lens and they're like <clears throat> dead set on shooting it on digital, but but they've just not found a sort of uh, way that is comfortable, the the Metabones adapter uh, that I used in the review, I used, actually bought a few adapters to test out multiple adapters. The Metabones one is the only one that I would ever use. And at the time that I wrote that, at least, I don't, I don't know what's happened since then, um, but it was discontinued. So I ended up having to buy it used and it was, there was, it was marked up quite a bit, but I, I paid the money and uh, yeah, it was, it made life so much better. So um, if anyone out there listening is, is looking for that, try to try to find that Metabones adapter. Cause it's, uh, it's the only way to shoot that, that lens really on digital. I think just to confuse things a little bit more as well, I think there might even be two versions of that adapter as well. I think you're right. I think I, I, I have a vague memory of of wading through that information yeah. <laughs> back whenever that was. Uh, 2017, I'm looking at it now, actually. So, yeah, that was a while ago. 
Yeah, I've. I mean, I've. I think I've got. I've had two or three adapters, and uh, and um, I've. I've not really. Um, yeah, I've. I've not used the Metabones or the. the have good, you? Do you have the autofocus adapters? No. Or do you have manual focus? Man, man, just just manual. Yeah, that's that's what I was using too, and I thought that was the best. Yeah. The um the autofocus ones when I tested it, it was just so slow, and yeah, it was anyway. Anyway, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's that's an interesting thing, and I, I think I'd like to take go go back to that. And I think there'll be a few people who'll be interested in, in, in interested in your experience of uh, the the autofocus adapters that you can buy. But let's just park, park that to one side. Um, the adapters I've tried, there've, there've been two main kinds. You've got one where you have a, a effectively a large focus ring on the outside of the adapter uh, the, mm-hmm. that you turn, um, which irritates me uh, largely because I have to turn the focus ring the wrong way. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so that, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's one thing. But I find that that is, um, if you, if you, if you need to do quite fast adjustments, that that method is actually quite good. Uh, but as soon as you get to the point where you're trying to get detailed focus, there's just way too much play in the focus ring on the adapter. F- that you sort of turn, you think, oh, I've gone too far one way, and you start to turn it the other, and there's a, just a, I don't know, it just feels like you're going you're going too far before anything actually happens, and then as soon as it starts to happen, you go too far, um, <laughs> and then yeah, the, you'll do, the other adapter, I've got a Yenon. Uh, adapter which uses a completely different principle and it has uh, I've, I haven't used it for a while um, but I think it has a little thumb wheel um, on the adapter I think it sits underneath the adapter um, and you can get very very precise focus with that but the problem is if something's moving quickly <laughs> you're moving your thumb as fast as you can move as, far, as fast as you can and the gearing's really low so right. um, yeah that that metabone sounds like the holy grail almost so I've, I've yet to yet to yet to find one of those so uh, fingers crossed but the, the main reason why I actually wanted just to come back to this 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 45 mil um, thing is that is actually more about what you said earlier about your photography and mm-hmm. you said, well, I just take pictures of my family and, uh, and, and, and things like that. And I, th- I just, I just feel that that is a huge disservice to your photography <laughs> because I'm looking at these <laughs> 45 mil photos and uh, you've got your, I, I assume it's your daughter there. Um, yes. And uh, you've, you've got some shots of your dog and your dog's soaking wet and, uh, and throwing water <laughs> off in slow motion, it seems. And the, the and you've got some you know, lovely wildflower uh, shots there. I, th- I think your, your photography is absolutely wonderful. It's just not what people yeah. think about yeah. when you talk about... <laughs> You know, family snaps is was was pretty much the way that you're putting it across. So I just want mate, I just want people to know you're a damn good photographer. So don't don't uh, don't, well, don't listen I, I to James. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you. I just I, uh, I think I think people expect a certain thing when you when you run a a camera website or or an editorial site about photography or something like that. You know, they expect me to, you know, I don't know, be be very sort of high-minded about photography and artistic and, you know, wear a turtleneck. And, uh, (laughs) I just, it's just not me. I, I try to take good photos, but I also, well, look at, look at the name of the website, casual photophile. When I started the website, I wanted it to be a website for anybody to come and read about cameras and photography because, because I had kept going to places Back in, you know, 
back in the day when, before I had started the site to try to learn about photography, learn about cameras and figure things out. And there was just so much like sniping and, and like bickering and, you know, you go onto forums and it's, it's people arguing about, you know, field curvature. And <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just very off putting to me. Not, not to a point where it was like a real problem. It was just like, Oh geez, these guys, you know, I am not going to post my pictures here because they're just going <laughs> to, you know, tear them apart. So Anyway, it goes back to that, and and that's sort of the photographer that I am. It's it's, I'm just a you know a guy that likes to shoot some pictures, and and if if some of them are pretty good, then that's that's a win for the day. Um, but yeah, we, hopefully, hopefully people that come to the site sort of feel that, and, and and they don't they don't feel like it's it's a hobby that they can't get into because they don't have a Leica. You know, and a and a Summilux, and, and and because they they don't know how to do certain certain techniques. So, yeah, I appreciate the the kind words about my my pictures. Um, <laughs> ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully, our mission is still is still being achieved as far as uh, bringing people into this hobby. Well, to do have a large collection of gear and lenses that you just keep or so you know you have a review of a ruben r lens on here i mean oh, do, you, do you have that or you far away from <laughs> oh my goodness no that that lens is gone that lens okay. <laughs> you know you know where that lens went that lens went into a uh, a box and was shipped to a guy who um said he could fix it and then I just never heard from him ever again. So <laughs> um, what happened? So I got that lens. It was, it was okay. But literally, I think if you, if you read the review of that lens, I'm pretty sure halfway through that review, I just end the review and it's like, and at this point, the lens literally fell apart in my hands. So, <laughs> and that's what happened. It, the, the entire lens barrel fell out of fell out of the, sort of like the focusing helicoid just fell out of the lens. And then I fixed that. It took me like six hours. I fixed it. I finally got it dialed back into where it was focusing correctly. I set it up on a tripod to take a picture for the lens review. And I was like, all right, already this thing is getting a bad review. But (laughs) but as I'm taking the next picture, the LCD screen just went black because I was shooting it on digital. And I was like, what is going on? Did the camera die? I was like changing batteries. I'm like, what is happening? And then I look and and I look in the lens and and the mirror is just hanging, just dangling <laughs> down. And I was like, it just de-cemented. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I'm reading your review right now. It's fantastic. I'm like, the Rubenar is done. No more Rubenar. And my, my goal was to, it's like, I wanted to shoot some mirror lenses and talk about, you know, mirror lenses and are they worth shooting? Are they worth owning? Um, and, uh, that that experience put me off really bad. <laughs> I got a, I got a Nikkor mirror lens and I haven't haven't shot it yet, but we'll see if that one uh, holds up a little bit better. To answer your question, do I have a lot of gear? No, I don't because I also run an online camera shop, and and that that came about because I was accumulating massive amounts of gear for a casual photophile, and I just didn't have the disposable income. I didn't have the space. And it was like, I got to do something. You know, why do I, I can't just own 200 cameras. 
So yeah. I started I started selling them, and and one thing led to another, and now I've been uh, been running the camera shop for four years now, and and we're we're doing great. I mean, it's 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 become a real excellent business. So so that that answers the question. I I get stuff, I write about yeah. it, I sell it, I give it away. You know, there's there's a bunch of different ways that the gear leaves my house. Mostly, it's sold through the through the shop. Um, but yeah, so my my collection has evolved over the years. At first, I was like just buying any camera that I loved and and or thought was interesting and keeping it. And and you know, I wrote an article actually on the site that said I think that the headline was something like why I got rid of my camera collection and why you should too maybe. <laughs> so like I don't I don't want to tell people to get rid of their stuff, but but I talked about sort of the perils of having too many cameras and, and how that can maybe affect your, your photographic life, your output as a photographer. And, and I, I talked about what you said, what we were talking about earlier too, in that article about, about whether you're a photographer or a gear collector and, and whether or not being one or the other is, is, is better or more, more virtuous. Um, you can, yeah, your listeners can read the article if they want. I mean, the short story version is, is you know, do what you like. <laughs> you know, whichever one you love, just do that. If you want to be a photographer, focus on one camera. If you want to collect gear, go for it. Um, but yeah, my, my, my collection now has actually evolved into sort of, I, I only really want to own rare, uh, rare cameras, which is a totally different conversation we could have you know, five episodes of a podcast about rare cameras because <laughs> they're, they're very interesting, but, but yeah, so I, I think I own maybe 10 cameras now total that are, uh, that are awesome. mine, but they're, but they're all, they're all sort of, um, you know, rare or highly collectible, I, I guess you could say like my One daily the- camera that I shoot is the Nikon SP 2005. Nice. Uh, reissue. <laughs> nice. And, that was that was sort of the start of like okay this is what I want to focus on I want to focus on owning you know just this unusual stuff um, yeah super links I don't know if do you guys know about the super links uh, there's one sitting on the desk in front of me right now ah you have one of those no I do yeah I just wow. I got it about about three months ago and that's gonna be it's loaded up right now with uh, T Max so we're gonna be shooting that maybe this week and and hopefully we'll have some some writing on it but if you know what that is and you you know if the listeners know what that is that's that's kind of the camera that i'm into right now is is uh weird stuff (laughs) that's awesome yeah well it's just just worth just mentioning what i mean that's the 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 yashika yashika camera i mean there are going to be some people that don't know oh no 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 no, 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 i have to to correct you oh yes the super links is is a camera made by a a company called pontiac that was uh they only produced this camera for a year or two uh in france back in i think this one is from like 1947 so so just after world war ii and um yeah, pretty unusual. They didn't make a lot of them. They're made out of uh, a cast aluminum body. And, and if you if you check out the site when this goes live, you'll see, you know, or just look it up on Google, whatever. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> very interesting looking. They're they're sort of 
I don't know if this will be offensive, but I don't think it'll be offensive, but I don't want to stereotype, but it just seems like a very French camera. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like it was made in like an artisanal workshop by a jeweler. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's like it's equal parts jewelry uh, and, and photographic equipment. But yeah, anyway, stuff like that. Yeah. The, the French and Italian cameras from that era there's i mean there's a lot of these super super rare cameras that were not made in great numbers and they're they have they do have such a particular sort of uh aesthetic to them yeah it's really I love, cool I, I love it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's great stuff it's like they're it's like actually one of the writers uh on the site dustin dustin von luma um so I posted a picture of this camera in the, the group chat that we use on the site. And he calls it the Elven camera from like Lord of the Rings. And he's, he nice. says it's it's made out of mithril. And like I'm sort of outing myself as a huge super nerd there. But yeah, <laughs> but it's it's a very appropriate way of describing it. It's it's like it's forged out of, you know, some sort of magical metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never I've never seen one before. I'm just looking at uh, something on uh, on on camera wiki, and uh, yeah, it does look like it's a a, a shrunken. Uh, well, it's come out of the same factory as like some of the Citroen two CV two CV vans and uh, some of the the 1950s uh, French cars and things like that. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a wonderful looking thing. Uh, so James, can you tell us about F stop camera? Because I I know that that's one of the sites that for me personally and my uh, business side of what I do, I, I love how that site is set up and I wish I had the time to do that sort of thing for central camera on that level. It's just not possible, but yeah, um, no, it's, you, it's funny you, you do a great, it's great. It's really good. No, thank you. Yeah. Yesterday I got an email that said the site was horrible and set up, ter- <laughs> set up, set up nice. terribly. And uh, yeah, it was like this, this website needs a, a drastic overhaul. And I was like, okay, well I'll look, uh, I'll get overhauling. Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, F-stop cameras, uh, that's sort of the uh, store side of, of my life. Um, I should say that there's there's a definite dis- disconnect between casual photophile and F-stop cameras. We, we promote the shop on the site, but I want to be clear that, you know, the editorial site, has you know we 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 keep things very objective so i've had people comment and they're like i can't trust what you're saying because you're just directing me to a store and i'm like okay well (laughs) i don't know what to say because we um we criticize cameras just as often as as we say that they're good so um but yeah i have a camera shop and i sell cameras and uh been doing it for four four years now and We've got thousands of satisfied customers. I, I, I don't know how else to advertise. <laughs> yeah. If you if you're looking for an old camera, come take a look at F-stop cameras, and we we might have it, and uh, we, we we might not because stuff sells too quickly. Well, that's that's one of the things about your your, your site now, and uh, and basically I can I, I I understand where you're coming from there about with your your your, your comments about. Uh, keeping things separate whatever but the the, the yeah. plain fact is you you know and you come across as many lenses and cameras as you do because you buy and sell them and and that's 
exactly the same situation that I find myself in. And uh, I do, again, I do try to keep things relatively separate, but there are some times where the things are just coinciding and it's just, just the way that it is. And I think yeah. as long as you actually, you're telling it how, how it is, then that's all that matters. And uh, it's, it's mm -hmm. only ever going to be opinion. Um, but it's it's interesting. I just just clicked on one of your your cameras on uh, fstopcameras.com, uh, mm -hmm. and and it's the Minolta Maxim Five Thousand. I just I just picked up the. I just thought I'd click on the camera I liked the least. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, um, good choice yeah, it's horrible isn't it yeah but uh, i'm sure it's great value at 90 dollars uh, with with the uh, 35 to 70 f uh, 3.5 zoom lens but more to the point though um you've you you go to town on the descriptions there yeah so right. you you are passing on the knowledge of, of these things but i mean you do far more than i do i mean I'll, I'll go into some detail when i'm selling the camera but it's it's very much down to condition and functionality um whereas right. you do yeah. a lot more than that no I'm, I'm glad to hear you mention that i mean it, that's one of those things that is like massively time consuming and probably a detriment to the business to, to be quite <laughs> quite honest with you you know the amount of time i spend photographing these machines and and writing these descriptions and all that um it takes it takes a lot of time i think i think there are a lot of people who are trying to sell stuff like on instagram and 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 little little shops much like mine springing up that that think it's Think it's easy but you have to add value to the product and that's what we try to do so mm -hmm. so if i'm going to talk now about uh, as as sort of a someone running a small business selling retail products rather than an editor talking about the blog uh i can do that <laughs> we, we, we you know you have to add value to the product that you're selling otherwise you're just a middleman which is which is fine for the middleman but it's not really good for anyone else it's not it's not good for the the end user and it's not really good for the the person that the middleman is buying from so so what we try to do is is we get cameras from all different places and then we'll uh thoroughly test them clean them uh photograph them in the best best and clearest way we can and then and then write a description that accurately presents the thing that we're selling which it sounds very obvious and basic and it's what the good shops are doing I'm sure that's what what Johnny's doing, and and there's a lot of other good shops doing that, but it's not obvious to everyone. You no. know, it's like <laughs> like you you can buy stuff from big shops, and you're not actually seeing the thing you're buying because they couldn't be bothered to take a photo of every item that comes to the door because it's 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 time consuming. Yeah, that's so that's so where those true. that's where those ranges come in, and and I I'll tell you, I, I just bought a camera from a shop. Uh, this was going to be for myself for my my personal collection, and it was written as it was listed as ex <clears throat> exc plus 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 plus, which is <laughs> we know what that means. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, a rating system that is used uh, commonly, and, and so I, I assumed. I guess I was using my own sort of uh, yeah. rate, rating system where I was like, wow, a camera that's excellent with four pluses, that must right. be perfect. <laughs> so I bought it and anyway, it arrived and it had it had like fungus in the lens. It, yeah. It, yeah. It had green problems. And I was just like, I wrote to the person, I was like, what's the deal with this? I, I didn't know that it had all these problems. 
because I couldn't see pictures of it and all I had was the description and it was X, X, you know, EX, <laughs> whatever. And the person wrote back to me after like two days, which again is like another, another thing that I'll complain about. You know, you have to have customer service. If someone writes to us, we write back in like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, they wrote back and they said, Oh, the, the quote, I think I put this on my Twitter account cause it was just so like mind blowing to me. The thing that the person wrote back was, of course, the camera has some problems. That's why it was listed EXC plus 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 plus. Nice. And I'm just looking at my phone for for like five minutes, oh. like with my like I think I've, like blood leaking out of my nose, just like what what just happened. And anyway, so so that's an example of of the stuff that you won't get if you shop from a good store. And right. I hope, hope yeah, you know, I hope I can count my my store among among that. Uh, and I think I can because you know we're, we've, we we do great business. We've been really popular. People love what we're doing, and and I really appreciate you know every customer that we get. So so it's a small business. You know, it's not it's not like you're buying from a, a giant. You know, it's it's not B and H. I have no I have no problems with B and H. I love them. They're, I'm an affiliate with them through the through the casual photo file. But you know, it's a much different. It's a much different thing here. Yeah. <laughs> so, J- James, uh, you you really should have listened to uh, episode twenty six of uh, which was on the 9th of July, the Classic Lenses podcast, which was called the Top Mint Excellent Plus 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 oh. eBay episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go back and look for that. I'm sure it's full it's, of hilarious it, observations. It, it's it, it's certainly worth it because I mean that was where we first discovered the the phrase Top Mint. Um, top mint. Yeah. Top mint. There's there's minty and there's uh, oh yeah minty is another. Uh, not a tiny dust is a very popular one. Yeah. Well, it, but mint, but mint is mint is no longer the best, right? Yeah. No, nowhere near. It's no. really so did, no. So yeah. one of the things you do with on your um, f-stop camera site is um, you have this film of the month club, sure. with a Facebook thing linked to it. How how's that? How does that? How's that going? Yeah. So we just started that actually uh, January first. And that evolved from a thing that we were doing through Casual Photophile on Patreon, which I don't know if you guys or your listeners are familiar with Patreon, but it's it's basically a platform where creators can uh, be funded by the you know the fans or the people who appreciate what they're doing. So you'll see a lot of YouTubers and and blogs and stuff have Patreon pages where people can subscribe, and basically they get paid. Uh, the the creators get paid every month by small donations from people who like what they're doing. We did that for like six months, maybe a year, and it was great. But we started out. We always wanted to be a Patreon page that was giving something worthwhile back to people, not just sort of like, "Hey, give us five bucks a month for nothing." And uh, so, so the thing that I came up with is what was that we would send a roll of film to everyone that subscribed to the Patreon. Um, and it was awesome. People loved it. You know, people loved getting a random roll of film in the mail every month and we were getting some income, which was great because it helps keep the site going. Um, after like six months, well, pretty much immediately it was clear that Patreon was a terrible platform for actually distributing physical rewards to uh, subscribers. So we sort of struggled with it for a while, but, but we just decided, okay, let's just launch our own thing. And then that's where the film of the month club came out. Yeah. Um, and there are other there are other film of the month clubs. You know, there's other people doing this service where people subscribe 
and pay a monthly fee and get film in the mail. Um, so we're not unique in that way. But I think one thing that we were able to do that was interesting is is we launched a uh, Facebook, an exclusive Facebook group along with the club. So if you if you join the club and you get the film every month, you also get access to a Facebook group where everybody in the club can post their photos, post their experiences, uh, post their experiences with developing because we do some uh, black and white film in that club. So, so yeah, it's, it, it sort of builds a little bit of a community aspect around it as well. Um, and and that's that sort of goes back to what I was talking about, sort of adding value. We're like we're always trying to add value to the people's lives who are allowing, you know, me and and the other writers to do what we're doing for a living, which is you know write about cameras, talk about cameras, sell cameras. So um, we appreciate that, and we we just wanted to uh, create sort of a community where people could uh, get a little bit more out of out of the film of the month situation that a few people are offering out there. It caught my eye because I'm um, having not too long ago done the secret Santa exchange. Right. Um, yeah. Put together. Yeah. And the film, the film yeah. that the guy sent me, I never would have bought thought of buying any of it. Really? In, fact, <laughs> in fact, I've only, um, I've only used one, one of the films and it was, it's an ASA 50 film and I took some shots this week, but mm -hmm. I have a 3200 film and I still have them thinking about that. And I have a, uh, an IR film, and this is so funny. I got this free roll of film, and I went out and bought a filter, so that I oh, can right. shoot, so that I can shoot <laughs> one roll of film. No, that, that's that's that yeah, that's a great point. So like joining any sort of program like that is a great way to experience something you may not experience, which is which is I think part of the attraction of of the film of the month club as well. It's like you know I think the first month was uh, Kodak P thirty two hundred. Um, the T Max, you know, black and white film. I think that's what we sent out. The second month was uh, actually Cosmo Photos, Cosmo Photo Mono from uh, mm -hmm. Stephen Dowling's uh, excellent website. So, so yeah, th those are two films that maybe you know maybe someone's only shot color, right? Or like maybe maybe they just have always shot Ilford, you know, HP five or something. You know, this just gives gives a a way to experience other things that that you maybe wouldn't do on your own yep. and um and yeah we're actually we're, in the next month or so we're actually going to be launching a camera subscription service too which is oh. a little a little bit harder to wrap your head around but but we <laughs> we've we've done the work and we've done the you know done the the work on our end to make it so that it's going to be a feasible thing so like people will pay uh people will subscribe to this this service and basically what happens is um when their subscription comes through. So like, let's say they subscribe in like March 1st, uh, we'll send out a camera to them. So it's like, it's like buying a camera, but it's, but it's everybody that subscribes will get the same camera. If, if that makes sense. So like everybody might get, you know, a, a Minolta V2 or something to just pick a random one. And so, you know, the, and the same the same situation with the uh, Facebook group will will apply here. Like everybody will be able to go in and be like, "Oh, look, here are the shots that I made with my with my camera um, from the subscription service," and that's going to renew every three months. So so people will will get a camera and shoot it for the three months, and hopefully we'll have like really great conversations in the Facebook group about, you know, this is the camera of the month. Let's all talk about it. 
And then at the end of the three months, we're going to go in and like pick a bunch of our favorite photos that people made and, and publish an article on, on the website. That's sort of, you know, here's some of the awesome stuff that our, that our subscribers made, you know, with, uh, with the cameras that they got for their club. So, um, that should be fun. Hopefully people like it. We, we did that through Patreon too, but it was also a nightmare as far as their logistics. Well, that uh, kind, of, kind of thing is really cool. And, um, it's taking it to another level, something that, um, little photo group so we have our small photo club and mm-hmm. we'll we'll have themes for for doing walk arounds and um we're walking around and we're all doing a common theme but then the next week when we compare what shots we got the the take that some people have on right the places we go is like totally different yeah than, than anything that would ever enter my mind and uh it's it's really fun seeing how that happens yeah, that's that. I mean, that's that's kind of where the art, the idea for this came from is we were doing some photo walks here around Boston. And yeah, it was like w- there was a Facebook group for for those, you know, Boston area because we're in, we're in Boston, Massachusetts. Just people probably don't have any idea of that. But um, so like they, you know, going into the Facebook group for the film photographers of Boston uh, after the fact, it was it was exactly what you said. It's, it was amazing to see the different takes on things so it was like that was kind of where the the germ for the idea came from it's like Mm -hmm. is there a way that we could do that you know for a bunch of people all over the world Mm -hmm. and we'd all be able to see you know the kind of shots that we were all making with the same film with the same camera and then talk about it because i mean your podcast is a great example the best thing about this hobby is just chatting with people right Mm -hmm. just like talking about the hobby and and photography and our experiences and stuff Mm -hmm. so so any any time we can help foster that, we'll try to. That's great. It is, and and I think that's uh, that's a probably a good place to start winding winding things down now. Um, okay. So so James, um, it's been great chatting to you there. Um, I think oh, yeah, all, my pleasure entirely. Thank you all for having me on here. Oh, well. I think what we'll what we'll do we'll just cover a, a, a few little things, then we'll come back to you and uh, and just go over any kind of shout outs or um, links that you want to want 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 to give out. So uh, sure. But um, yeah, before we do that, you you mentioned there you got Patreon and uh, and when you've moved on to the, um, uh, the subscription there, um, yep. and um, and the the fact that you you wanted to if people going to give you something that, that uh, some money that you wanted to give them something back well uh, well we don't do that <laughs> we just ask for money <laughs> um, yeah. so coffee is, not money coffee. Yeah, yeah so we 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 have um, a site called uh, uh, coffee uh, or rather we're part of that site uh, coffee.com ko-fi all uh, right if, yeah if you, if you go onto that and find and look for classic lenses um, you can you can find our page where we're, it's completely optional if you wish to uh, if people wish to uh, hand over some money to help with the, the running of the podcast and some of the things that we're going to be doing in the future, which we keep on talking about things we're going to do in the future, but we've, we've not, we've not really talked that much about that and we're not going to do that now either, but we are doing some stuff for the future. Um, and hopefully it won't be, won't be too long before, uh, um, those, those things happen. But, um, I just want to say though, those people that uh, do support us, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, and, um, as usual, we've had, uh, I say usual, um, it's, that's, it's, we have had uh, supporters every week so far, which has been, which has been great. And, um, and those people are able to leave us messages. Ironically, those people that leave that there's a, there's two people that, um, 
subscribe to us regularly um, I've actually got something up that they actually pay something over to us once a month. Uh, that's um, Lawrence Dunn and James Thorpe. Um, they don't they don't get any mentions uh, each week. Although I do tend to mention them, but they don't get an opportunity to say things to us. So uh, it's just, it seems a bit odd that does to me. But that's how it is. So thank you, uh, James and uh, Lawrence, on that one. But the people that um, just dropped us some donations in the in the past week. Uh, the first one came through was from Nigel Cliff, who regularly donates to us um, and winner of a lens that we uh, that he won uh, recently. Um, ironically, that came about as a result of uh, the, the coffee donations. Um, so, uh, and he said, uh, and he's talking about last week's show. Um, when the program started, I wasn't sure if I was going to be interested in the subject, uh, but as it went on, it became more intriguing. Uh, not sure I understand a lot about it, but it was thoroughly entertaining. So uh, thanks for that, uh, Nigel. Um, then we had uh, Jamie Bloomquist um, wrote us a note and uh, said, uh, thank you for the time and effort put into your podcast. Um, I saw a post on hash best vintage lens. Uh, that's the Instagram feed that we're associated with uh, last summer. Um, and I've been looking forward to hearing every new episode ever since. Uh, guests and topics have been unique and interesting. And I think today is a good example of that. So uh, thank you again, uh, Jamie. And uh, th thank you, uh, James. Um, then um, finally, we had one from Ricardo Bayon. Funnily enough, uh, connected with Best Vintage Lens. Uh, he's one of the people behind and a friend of the show has been on the show. Uh, and he uh, has given us three coffees, uh, one for Carl, so he can get a strap to come to terms with the laws of physics regarding dropping cameras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, reference from last week there um, uh, one for Johnny uh, so uh, uh, he can get a walk so he can get a walker until he better understands um, <laughs> when water freezes oh yeah this, this is something to do with um, Johnny decided to yeah. fall it falling over and breaking cameras uh, which is doing regularity at, at this moment and people don't understand that story though with this walker thing he was looking over across the street at women walking along the road <laughs> yeah, and not where he was that. going and that's that's why he fell <laughs> hey man i'm just trying to perpetuate the species okay <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't want i'm not going to take that any further because i know where you're gonna <laughs> i go know you're that. not uh, nope <laughs> that's not going to be your opening no. you know exactly <laughs> where i'm going with that <laughs> And uh, and finally, I've I've got one to uh, to help me get get me off my get get me off my couch and go down to the uh, the Taylor Hobson factory. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's uh, hopefully that is going to happen at, at some point. I need to do some work on that one. So uh, so yeah, so thank you very much for those people that, that have supported us this week. Um, I'm going to do a quick shout out uh, while I've while I've got the mic, uh, and that's to say that yesterday. I did a photo walk uh, with Stig of the Dump of uh, ah great um, and um, and that was walking around uh, around Liverpool yesterday. Um, had a great time. Um, I took hardly any photos. I mean, I didn't take that many the first time I did one of these photo walks, and I think I took about six photos yesterday. And I think a lot of those, I was thinking, I've got to take something, uh, but I, it, it doesn't matter. It did, it did not matter one jot uh, because you know I was with uh, 
um, I mean, people came came and went on 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 there. So there was generally speaking, there was around about eight people uh, throughout this uh, this this walk. It was about like, five hours around around Liverpool and lovely weather as well. Um, and um, one one of those people that joined us at the the, the latter part of the walk was uh, Rachel uh, from the uh, Sunday Sixteen Yay. podcast. So it was great to see Rachel there. Um, another. Uh, Quick, quick mention as well uh, for those people that listen to the Sunday Sixteen podcast, they would have heard the name uh, Fraser Yule uh, quite often. Was he would uh, write in and uh, do things with the Cheap Shots Challenge and, and so on. So uh, Fraser had come down from Scotland uh, to take part on the walk as well. So now it was it was a, a, a great thing. Thank you again, um, Stig. Looking forward to the next one, and uh, the more people that can come along to these things, the better. So uh, they're my shout out. So uh, Johnny, did, you, I, I, did I, you get Rachel to, to agree to come on? the podcast I, you know i didn't i should have i should have had that conversation with oh my well. god I, I you were too busy not taking oh pictures to ask rachel I to was, come on the podcast yeah, there was so many things we were talking about oh god yeah, I, I need to have that conversation well I'm, well that's the thing i'm going to be seeing her again along with okay. uh, graham and aid in march uh, because there's a, another photo walk get together although it's again it's not going to be very much about the way of taking photos but that'll be at the photography show at the nec but i'll probably say a bit more about that when uh, when we get a little bit closer to it Right. So we want to get her. So we want to get the one that really knows about um, cameras, and yeah. photography. We do. We don't need Graham. We won't. We won't rage. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so, Johnny, have you got any shout outs or anything you want to say this week? Uh, yeah, you know what? I want to do a real quick one. Um, and this is uh, somebody I know through Central Camera who is a, a a customer, but also just someone I really enjoy talking with. Um, and I'll do I'll tell a quick, real quick little story. But I, I want to give a shout out to um, Lisa over at uh, it's storybeatstudio.com. Um, and she does, uh, it's a video production company. Um, but what she does that I think is really cool that she's discovered is that she's using, uh, she's doing video with uh, classic lenses, and it, she's she has found that it really gives her, what she does a unique and different look. Um, so that you know she 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 has customers and they like what she does because she does it in a way that looks a little different. So she's really taken a deep dive into um, classic lenses and yesterday we worked on setting up a, um, a bellow system that she could use for doing like really close-up macro work and it was just a lot of fun to to talk about all this and then we got talking about the podcast and and all, and all that so it was it was just a really fun conversation yesterday lisa and um wanted to say look forward to uh, you know talking with you again more in the future about this sort of stuff, but yeah, take take a look over at her site and what she does at storybeatstudio.com. There's my shout out. Excellent. Any, any shout outs for you, Cole? No, only to the people who continuously say wet on wet in their comments <laughs> on my photos. <laughs> <laughs> the joke's getting old. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> nor, nor, is, nor is the gift bombing your shrimping, shrimping pictures. Gift you bombing. Even, what? You haven't even, oh. you haven't even found that yet. You'll see it today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's um, let's let's finish off then. So uh, back 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 to you, James. Um, again, I've I've already said it's been great having you on the show, and it absolutely has. Um, how can people uh, um, check out your work in the, in the various places that you may may appear? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on the on the, the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to your uh, listeners for 
tolerating me. I, I appreciate that too. If, if you've made it this far, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want to see the work that we're producing, uh, you can go to casualphotofile.com. Uh, the camera store is fstopcameras.com, and uh, I'm on uh, all the social medias: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we would love to have you swing by and read some stuff, leave some comments, and uh, let us know what you think. Excellent. We'll, and we'll put as many links as we can find um, in our in our podcast notes as, as sure. well there. So, uh, sure. so th- thank you again. And uh, Johnny, how can people keep up with you? Um, you can find me, oh, such a lie, Mo- uh, on Instagram uh, at uh, Sisson, what am I on Instagram? Sisson photography. photography. Thanks. I'll post there again someday soon. There's a story why I haven't been posting, and I'll post it with some pictures. Um, you can also find me uh, most days of the week at Central Camera Company in Chicago at the camera counter. Please stop on by and say hello. Um, and you can send uh, Carl and Simon an email for me to read at um, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. And please, when you are on Instagram, tag your images with best vintage lens um, for a chance to be featured there and have Ricardo uh, write you up and all that good stuff. And we look forward to his latest rundown of the latest episode of the podcast. And Cole. What were you drunk last night posting on my shirt? Well, you found it. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like spam. Oh my God! How many of them are there? Okay, um, you can you can find me on the classic um, lenses Facebook page, on um, Instagram by my name, and on uh, Flickr also by my name. And uh, I'm in a few places. I have a website which is Simon Forster Photographic uk. You can find me on Twitter as Simon Four. That's S I M F O R. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. I have a eBay shop. Uh, if you do a seller search for It's Fozzy, that's I T S F O Z Z Y. And uh, you can find all of us, or the three of us at least, in the Facebook group Photography with Classic Lenses. I uh, just want to thank uh, Kevin McLeod for our theme music of Incompetech.com. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's show, and it'd be great if you can join us again next week. Thank you, and goodbye. Oh, um, finishing times. Uh, has anybody got any specific uh, times that they have to finish up? I'm, I'm gonna not too far after eleven drop off. Yeah, I gotta kind of. Yeah, I got things to do today too. Um, and what time is it now in your time? My time? No, Carl's. Nine fifty-one. Nine fifty-one. Okay, so uh, you're basically an hour and ten minutes. You, you, we, we start potentially lose you. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, impact, it doesn't impact the quality of anything. So no, no, we know that. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah.